Well, we are back. That's right. Right on schedule. It is a Monday, March the 28th. Time for another We Tackle Life podcast. I'm getting pretty good at this every three or so days thing. And I enjoy talking with you guys, hearing your comments, reading your reviews, getting your emails. Bruce Hooley here. And we have a final four. But first, we have to remind you that if you are looking for great coffee, you shouldn't be looking anywhere other than Hemisphere Coffee Roasters. They're fantastic. Not only is their coffee great, so is their cocoa chocolate, gluten-free, sugar-free, non-GMO. You get it for 15% off as you do all the products at Hemisphere when you order online at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com and use the promo code WETACKLELIFE. Their coffee comes from the world's best growers. The world's Indonesia, Thailand, Ethiopia, Nicaragua. Paul and his great idea to mix business and ministry Result in awesome coffee for you at a great savings when you use that promo code We Tackle Life and also furthering ministry efforts in those countries. So get your coffee, hemisphere.coffeeroasters.com. All righty, let's talk a little Final Four. And nobody had this bracket. I don't think anybody had this bracket. Well, maybe a few people had this bracket. I certainly didn't have this bracket. Duke, Kansas, Villanova, North Carolina, a one, Kansas, two twos, Duke and Villanova, and an eight, North Carolina. It is, literally and figuratively, a blue blood Final Four. I know you could get Kentucky in there. You could get UCLA in there. You probably have schools with more championships. But Villanova has great NCAA tournament history with the win over Georgetown in 1985. The monumental upset with the shot at the buzzer that won it, what was that, 2018, 2016? Kansas, I mean, come on. Kansas, Fog Allen, Danny Manning. Everything you could want in a basketball powerhouse, tradition-wise. Wilt Chamberlain, ancient tradition, pretty recent tradition. They've got it. Uh, Duke, <laughs> say no more. Mike Shashevsky, Final Four, 13th appearance. Most Final appearance, Final Four appearances by a head coach. And North Carolina. And we get North Carolina and Duke in the semis. And we may uh, get, you know, uh, an epic game, like an epic upset, like North Carolina pulled at Duke and Shashevsky's final game in Cameron. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if North Carolina gets the ultimate bragging rights of having beaten Mike Shashevsky in his final home game and then in his final game at the final four? Like what? That's nuts. But uh, something tells me that the uh, Dukies will be highly motivated for that one. <laughs> Uh, to avenge that 94-81 to 81 win at Cameron in the final game of the regular season. Look, uh, Villanova is going to be hurting uh, the kid who uh, looked like he popped his Achilles late in their win in the regional finals. Did indeed pop his Achilles, so they're without him. Uh, that's a problem for Nova as they play Kansas, although Nova can make problems for a lot of teams. And uh, I don't want Kansas to win it. Okay, in descending order... Of my least favorite team to my favorite team to win the title, I will take least favorite Kansas, third least favorite Carolina, second least favorite Villanova, and most favorite team is Duke. So I want it to be Duke or Nova or Carolina if it beats Duke, which I really don't want that. Because a guy like Krzyzewski, look, here's the thing. You know, I know a lot of you are like, oh, I hate Duke, oh, I hate Carolina, oh, I hate uh, Mike Krzyzewski. Let me ask you the question. Why? Why? Now, I'm not trying to pull the uh, first cousin of 
the lamest excuse ever, which is, well, you never played the game. You never played at the highest level. But let me just say, if you've never been around Mike Krzyzewski and you've never been around Duke, you have an incorrect perception of what they're like because you've been forced, forced fed Duke, 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 Duke by uh, Dukey V, Duke Vital, and because, yeah, the airwaves kind of, you know, reek of Duke guys, Jay Billis, Jay Williams. <laughs> but come on now, uh, do not the football airwaves kind of reek of Ohio State guys? Joey Galloway, Herbie, um, back in the day, Spiels. So you got to kind of cut the Dukies a little slack there. I mean, all that means is you've had a great program for a long, long time. I had the opportunity, the privilege, really, of covering 18 Final Fours at the Plain Dealer and then one at 97-1 when Ohio State went to play Florida in 2007. And I, my favorite time at the Final Four was always on Sunday afternoon before the championship game where you would get the two coaches each for 45 minutes, okay? 45 minutes. Now, you very rarely needed them for 45 minutes, but you got the first, you got the coaches and the players together for, I think that was like, I don't know, maybe half an hour, and you could ask anything of any starter or anything of any uh, of the head coach. But if you couldn't get in then or if you had something a little bit offbeat, they'd then take each starter to a breakout room where he'd sit for another half hour so you could get anything you wanted. And you'd get the coach in the big massive interview room for 45 minutes. So like by the end, they were just begging people to ask questions because everything that could be asked had been asked. But there'd be a point where everybody get their game stuff out of the way. And you'd get a chance to really go deeper with the coach. And I just so enjoyed sitting there listening to two coaches in particular, Mike Krzyzewski and Rick Patino. Now, I know Patino's a... Uh, a skanky, <laughs> you know, slimy dude. But uh, he was fascinating. Like, Patino has written a lot of motivational books, and, you know, Rick Patino's a fascinating speaker. He might be a used car salesman, but he's a fascinating speaker. Mike Krzyzewski's a fascinating speaker and not a used car salesman. Krzyzewski has adapted to what college basketball has become, which is a far inferior game to what it used to be, when you could count on having players, particularly Duke could count on having players, for three and four years. Duke was like the last school where guys left early. Christian Leitner stayed at Duke four years. That's nuts. And Krzyzewski's now adapted to the one-and-done era. Guys are in and out and bye-bye, and that's it. See you later. And he's still winning championships. And... I want him to go out with a championship because that's just how his career ought to end the right way. Um, I get it. A lot of you don't like him. I just think that he's never been around even a remotest hint of a scandal that I can think of. I had somebody today say to me, uh, my buddy on Twitter at GoVolX said, Zion Williams didn't play there for free. Well, he probably didn't. Uh, But the scandal never touched Krzyzewski. Um. So I joked back, I said, you know, so Zion Williams at Duke is like asking a waitress in Scotland, what's in Haggis? And she'll say, it's best not to know. Yeah, it's best not to know. With Zion Williams, it's best not to know. 
But I like Shashevsky. I like Duke. I want to see them win it. They are favored to beat North Carolina by four and a half. Kansas is favored to beat Villanova by four. Duke is favored to win the whole shooting match. By uh, it's pl- Duke is plus 150. I need my guy Dustin Fox to explain plus 150. I think what it means is you bet 100, you'd win 150. Uh, Kansas is plus 190, so you'd win 90 bucks if you bet 100. You get your 100 back plus 90 bucks. Villanova is plus 450. That probably has something to do with the injury. And Carolina is plus 550. I, Carolina's, like, if you have money to waste, and we're not going to get into the morality of gambling, but if you have money to waste, like, why would you not bet Carolina? They're big. They shoot it well. They're playing great. They beat Duke the last time they played them handily at Cameron on a super emotional night. There's no reason why they can't beat Duke. And if they beat Duke, there's no reason why they can't beat Kansas or Nova. So Carolina looks like the value there to me, but uh, it would be the right way for Krzyzewski to go out. Now, here's the other aspect I want to talk about with the NCAA tournament. And you look at the Elite Eight, okay? And in the Elite Eight, you see Arkansas and you see Houston, right? And I'm just going to ask you, because this hit me, do those teams look like Ohio State? Better way to phrase it, does Ohio State look like those teams? And for that matter, does any Big Ten team look like those teams? And the answer to me is no. No. Big, plodding, physical basketball. That's what I see in the Big Ten. And here we are. Here we are in the Final Four. There we were in the Elite Eight. And of the nine Big Ten teams in the field, oh, look at the Big Ten. Oh, they got nine in. How many were in the Elite Eight? Zero. Zero were in the Elite Eight. Purdue, last man standing. St. Peter's beat them. St. Peter's. Why? Because St. Peter's can get up and down. St. Peter's can defend. St. Peter's can shoot threes. Now, I'm not saying that Ohio State couldn't beat St. Peter's. But I'm saying if Ohio State had played Houston, if Ohio State had played Arkansas, do you think Ohio State would have won those games? Because I sure don't. I don't. Ohio State is not athletic. They're not. Ohio State is not quick. Ohio State does not defend well. And I'm ashamed of myself that I didn't tell you this prior to the start of the season because all those things are very evident when you watch Ohio State play. Now, can Ohio State find a way to win games? Sure, they beat Duke. Sure, they won at Illinois. They can find a way to win games. They can have their night. But I'm just saying in the tournament, the kind of team that I hope Chris Holtman builds is a team that is fast, athletic, and can defend because... It was almost like Houston willed itself to go get offensive rebounds when it couldn't make shots. They interviewed Kelvin Sampson on the sideline. Now, what do you got to do, Kelvin Sampson? And he's like, we got to get, we're not making shots, so we got to get on the offensive boards. And like the next five possessions, they're getting offensive boards, sometimes two a possession. We can't do that. We got to get faster. We got to get more athletic. We can't have. Guys at Wright State looking better in the NCAA tournament than a lot of our guys do. Like that left-handed kid from Wright State scores 28 in the first round. 
and we're stuck with some guys whose names I won't mention, okay? Just what are we doing? We got to get more athletic. Now, I've seen, you know, YouTube of Bruce Thornton and Roddy Gale and Bryce Sensiball and Felix Okpara. I've seen the videos. They looked athletic. But can they play college basketball? Can they play college basketball? I don't know, but that struck me. Those teams that are still playing do not look anything like us. And I don't think that's a coincidence. Okay. If you get charged, named, called into court, that's a big-time jackpot that you're in. You need a good attorney. You need a reputable attorney. You need a smart attorney. You need Willis Spangler Starling as an attorney. No, that's a firm. Many attorneys on staff, not too many, they're going to know you by name. They're not going to treat you as a number. They're not going to forget about your case. I had a guy one time who neglected to tell me until he called me the night before, hey, this uh, suit that you filed against this knucklehead who slandered you, uh, that's going to court tomorrow in some rural area of Ohio. He calls me at like 7 o'clock at night. I'm in Arizona. Like I had to charter a plane to get back. That's not going to happen at Willis Spangler Starling. So Willis Spangler Starling is the attorney firm for you. Go to their website, willisattorneys.com, willisattorneys.com, and they'll get you taken care of. Wills, estate planning, probate, personal injury, employment law, social security disability, you name it, they do it. They do it great. Willis Spangler Starling on Twitter, at Spangler Willis. All right. Malachi Branham is going to go to the NBA. I am becoming more convinced of it every day. Number one, because I don't want it to happen. Number two, because we really need him back to give us a base from which to work. But I'm just convinced that Malachi is going to have too many people telling him that there's too much money to be made and that he can get better in the NBA and it's pure basketball and all that. Now, when Holtman talks about Malachi Branham, he always says Malachi comes from a great family. Now, I don't mean to insinuate at all that Malachi coming from a great family means that he's going to say no to NBA dollars. But it gives us a chance for him to come back if his family is a Longview type family and says, you know what, another year of college for the young man is probably not a bad idea. He doesn't really seem that socially comfortable around people. He'll be in front of the media more next year. He'll get a chance to speak more next year. And Malachi seems like a very smart kid. He's just a quiet young man, very quiet young man. Not not braggadocious at all, not egocentric at all. And maybe operating next year in the college realm with a lot of expectations on him, of which this year there were virtually none until the middle of the second half of the season, maybe that would be good for his maturity preparing for the NBA. I don't think Malachi's value to the NBA is going to go down any. I think he'll be a higher pick next year than he is this year, but I don't think that he will recoup that money that he leaves on the table. I get NIL deals and all those kinds of things, but he's not going to recoup that money that he'll get by being a top 15 pick in the NBA draft. There's no doubt in my mind, zero doubt in my mind, he will go before EJ Liddell. In fact, I keep seeing that EJ Liddell is a first-round draft pick, and he might be, because all these guys who are into this uh, know their stuff a lot more than I do, but I do not see it. I do not see it. 
at all. Uh, I just don't get it. Because <clears throat> E.J. Liddell is a very undersized four, and he's a not talented enough at the things you need to be talented at three. That's what I see. Uh, but, uh, you know, again, did I see Jay Sean Tate as an NBA player? No. And Jay Sean Tate's a successful NBA player. So we'll see how it goes. I'm looking at some lists that have, uh, yeah, as you expect, you know, Chet Holmgren on the top of uh, Gonzaga, Paolo Bancaro of Duke is three, Jaden Ivey is four, Keegan Murray of Iowa is five. Um, and then, you know, on down we go, on down we go, Malachi Branham, 16. EJ Liddell, 18. I see the I see the 16. I don't see the 18 at all. I don't see the 18 at all. Uh, but, you know, time will tell. Time will tell. So I wish them well. I want them both to go high if they go. I want Malachi to stay, though. Just so I'm on record, I want Malachi to stay. Okay. Now, uh, I saw a tweet come across my profile yesterday afternoon that Ohio State had won another national championship in, I dare say, <laughs> the sport where it has won more national championships than any other sport, I think. <clears throat> and that sport is what? Uh, kudos if you said that sport is synchronized swimming. Synchronized swimming. Um, synchronized swimming is, uh, is, is a varsity sport at Ohio State. But I've always been interested in finding out how many other schools have synchronized swimming as a varsity sport. I mean, if you're going to win the national championship, and this was like their 33rd national championship in 44 years, uh, I would like to know how big the field is. Is there a 64-team field? Is there a uh, 128-team field? Is there a 32-team field? The NCAA tournament, I think, started as an 18-team field. Is there that when it comes to synchronized swimming? And the answer, according to Prepler.com, which is a site uh, uh, that says college sports synchronized swimming, school-sponsored varsity synchronized swimming teams in 2022. And it reads like this. Synchronized swimming is not an official NCAA sport. Teams compete within U.S. synchronized swimming, also known as USA Synchro, Competing teams include both varsity and club teams representing U.S. colleges. Currently, four varsity and 23 club teams compete within the U.S. Synchronized Swimming Association. Four varsity teams. Four. And 23 club teams. So, 27 teams a club team would be a team that has no scholarships. A varsity team would be a school that has scholarships. And so I just provide that bit of information so you can make what you will of the uh, synchronized swimming uh, dynasty at uh, Ohio State. Okay. I gave you my thoughts last podcast on Deshaun Watson as the Browns quarterback. The column is on PressProsMagazine.com today. That column tells Deshaun Watson, don't fret it, pal. Ben Roethlisberger rehabbed his image from a rape allegation that he paid an out-of-court settlement to make go away in Lake Tahoe. Tiger Woods returned from a myriad of adulterous 
situations with porn stars and pancake waitresses and nightclub hostesses on his unbelievably gorgeous wife, Elon. And Kobe Bryant stood trial for rape of a young woman, or he was about to stand trial for rape of a young woman in Colorado until she decided all the hate I'm getting online because some idiot leaked my name is not worth it. I'm going to put this behind me, take the money, and be done with it. And Kobe and Roethlisberger and Tiger uh, were and are among the most beloved athletes of their era. And if Deshaun Watson wins football games for the Cleveland Browns, he will be among the most beloved Browns of all time. And if he takes them to a Super Bowl, he might be the most beloved Brown of all time. Never forget, the Browns have a statue in front of their stadium uh, commemorating the career of Jim Brown. Uh, And I so wish I had thought of this. I so wish I had thought of this. But I did not. So I'm going to give credit to the guy who thought of it. Aaron Goldhammer, my former colleague at ESPN 850 WKNR, is famous, or some would say infamous, for saying that Jim Brown is noteworthy for having hit a woman in five different decades. In five different decades. So there you go. Amber, I'm shouting out that that uh, that that line on Jim Brown because it is a, is a fact. And uh, so look, if they were built a statue to Jim Brown, what makes you think they won't build a statue to Deshaun Watson? If they Laud Roethlisberger and Kobe and um, and Tiger. What makes you think they won't laud Deshaun Watson? By the way, Tiger is in the news today. He is on the list of competitors to compete at the Masters. As he was out, there's video of Tiger out playing golf and walking around of golf. His car accident in L.A. was in February of 2021. Um, I talked to a sports orthopedic surgeon that next morning, maybe that same morning. And he said, that's it. He's done. And we thought he was done from the way his knee was compressed and cracked. And we don't know that he's not done, but he's going to try to get out there at Augusta and play. Maybe he'll play a couple practice rounds, realize he can't do it. Maybe he'll, who knows? I mean, he won it a couple years ago. And he was lauded for winning it. So it's not like um, people still hold him accountable for the um, sex addiction that he uh, infamously uh, confessed to. So there you go. Uh, reminder that if you are looking for health insurance, if you're looking to provide it as a business owner, or you're looking to have it for yourself as an individual, the best place to go and find out the unvarnished truth with no shading this company versus that company is to my friends at auiinfo.com. auiinfo.com, a phenomenal service, and it is a service, and it is a free service to you because they give you all the information on the insurance companies that would like to do business with you, copay, doctor, network, hospital, benefits, coverage, all that. They give you all you that, and then you evaluate it, and you determine which company you want to go with. They do not get paid to advantage one company over another, but they do get paid not by you, by the companies you choose to do business with. You're a valuable commodity as a health insurance customer. Companies want to do business with you. Why do you think they run all those ads on TV all the time? Hey, pick me, pick me, pick me. AUIinfo.com has all the info on all the companies. They give that info to you. You pick them. And then they get paid by that company. So AUIinfo.com. They line up benefits packages for businesses. They deal with individuals. They are a small business themselves, 17 employees, so they really cater to 
businesses of under 50 employees, if you're sitting there going, uh, I got my little plumbing business here. It's me and two other guys. I'm probably way too small for them. Can't afford them. Well, A, they don't charge you, and B, you're right up their alley because they might be able to offer you some kind of a bundle deal with another business. You get in the same plan, but they count your employees collaboratively, collectively, and so you get a better rate. I don't know how they do what they do, but I know they do it very, very well. So auiinfo.com, auiinfo.com. All right, we now transition to the faith portion of the podcast, the faith portion of the podcast. And the headlines these days are scary. We have a war going on in Ukraine, and we are feeding uh, people of Ukraine weapons to defend their freedom. We are on the fringes of this military action, sending uh, our troops to collaborate with NATO troops. We have our president who was in Poland. And uh, everything the president says is uh, subject to scrutiny and could inflame or de-escalate the situation. The goal is always, of course, to de-escalate it and fix it. Uh, president Biden said a couple things on his trip to Europe that, you know, the White House had to walk back. No, it doesn't mean that. It means something else. But at any rate, the headlines are scary because nobody likes war. And those of us who are of my generation, um, you know, in between somewhere between like 40, well, anybody younger than 65, anybody younger than 65, you, you really haven't known war during your lifetime. Like, you know, the Middle East, but that was eh, not really a war, right? Like it was, I mean, it was a war. I don't, I don't, please don't take me that I don't value the service of the men and women who served over there. But I mean, it was not, I don't know, we horrific injuries suffered there. But it was not World War II-like. It was not painted as, if we lose this, we could lose our country. Um, and that's the fear with an escalation to what you know many people label World War III. So as I pray, I'm praying for uh, peace, and clarity, and wisdom, and all those things for our elected officials. And I'll be honest with you. You know, for the first time in my life, I now start to see how the United States could transition out of being the dominant world power and could be um, severely compromised by uh, an enemy, maybe more than one. And uh, that may be what God has in store for us. You know, if you read um, Revelation, if you fancy yourself an end times expert or know even a modest amount about how the Bible forecasts the end times, it does appear, I'm saying that, you know, without being an expert, it appears that we're not around at the end of time on this earth, that the United States is not around. Well, what in the world could transpire that the United States would not be around? Well, the kind of catastrophic events that we're seeing right now. And so, I've been reading in the book of Psalms and I'm struck in the book of Psalms by how many times David is writing about being in peril, praying to God for deliverance and keeping his eyes where his eyes belong first and foremost, which is on the only God um, of truth and light and wisdom and goodness and mercy. And so today I was reading Psalm 27, and I'd just like to read you a couple uh, lines from that, and then Psalm 33. Psalm 27, starting in verse 1, The Lord is my light and my salvation. 
In whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. Now that means, you know, you're confident in in God having the sovereign authority over your life. I'm sure David was hoping and praying for deliverance from his enemies. And oftentimes that happened. David was on the throne for 40 years. And in Psalm 33, he writes this, The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all the generations. I think I left a word out there. The purposes of his heart endure through all the generations. So we've unquestionably been a nation favored by God, prospered by God. And, um, you know, look, there's just no way to put it. We've become a far less moral nation, a far less uh, obedient uh, country. Um, And so that really is scary for those of us who have young kids under, you know, are not out and about on their own yet. I'm talking about high school and under, college and under. And it's natural, I think, for all of us to wonder what kind of world are we going to, are they going to grow up in? What kind of world am I going to leave them in? Well, I'll tell you exactly what kind of world we're going to leave them in. We're going to leave them in a world where God's sovereign plan endures. Vladimir Putin doesn't change it. Joe Biden doesn't change it. Donald Trump doesn't change it. Chairman Xi doesn't change it. You don't change it and I don't change it. God will do what God will do. And he has a purpose and a plan in everything that he does. As David indicated in that last psalm, the Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. Sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes if the people are dialed in, locked in, doing what he wants them to do, and they can be bad people doing what he wants them to do. Right? I mean, like, he hardened Pharaoh's heart to not let the people of Uh, the children of Israel, leave Egypt. He hardened his heart because that was what God wanted to happen. He was demonstrating his power through the obstinance of Pharaoh. So God's purpose is going to prevail. So if you just can't sleep at night wondering, well, what kind of a world am I leaving my kids to? You're leaving your kids to a world where God decides what's going to happen and how it's going to happen. And, you know, a lot of people can't come to grips with that. They can't come to peace with that. I have perfect peace with that. He goes, I don't want to be in charge. I spent a lot of years trying to be in charge of my life, and I thought at times I <laughs> I had it nailed, man. And then, as I've said before, one day the pieces all ended up around my feet, broken and rolling around, and I realized I didn't have any control at all. And I couldn't do anything about my eternal destiny at all. But I didn't have to because Jesus Christ did. He died for my sins forgive me of my sins, past, present, and future, to establish the certainty of eternal life for me if I only claim his perfection as my own. And I've done that, and I'm going to cling to that every single day, rest in that assurance. And that gives me comfort when I think about my three beautiful girls and the um, descent of this world culturally, morally, spiritually, into dark places. 
So um, I mean that to be an encouragement. It does encourage me. Sure, well, I love this to be a faithful nation and everybody's in church on Sunday and everybody treats each other with grace and dignity and I would love that. But uh, that's not where we are. And so our call is to proclaim and live the truth of God as articulated in the Bible. It's not what we think it is. It's what he says it is. And that's why uh, time spent in the word of God is valuable. That's why time in prayer is valuable. Both indicate a submission to God, a humility to God, an elevation of his wisdom and his word and his ways above our ways, which are foolishness to him. And so um, that encourages me greatly at a time where there are many things in the world that could be discouraging, but not, not that, because I know uh, that my Redeemer lives, and I know uh, where I'm headed. So with that, I will uh, sign off, and uh, thank you guys all for listening, guys and ladies for listening. And uh, promise you that Wednesday, 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 yeah, I'll be back with another edition of the We Tackle Life podcast. Send me an email, wetacklelife at gmail.com. Review the podcast on iTunes. Patronize our sponsors, hemispherecoffeeroasters.com, auiinfo.com, Willis Spangler Starling Attorneys on Truman Boulevard in Hilliard. Have a great day.